Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Gia Choi, partner and CEO of Anomaly's LA office. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 46. I'm back from Chicago and Admerica was a blast. From judging the Ad to Public Service competition and meeting the eight finalist teams at the National Student Advertising Competition and moderating a Recruiter Insights panel, it was a very, very busy week. Also, I got to meet some We Are Next subscribers and listeners in person, which is just the best. I was hoping to get more Instagram story interviews, but the little external mic I brought busted like right when I got there, and it's really hard to get good sound in a conference environment without one. But I'm working on a learning stack for all NSAC teams, which I hope to send out in the next week or so. Our guest this week is Gia Choi, partner and CEO of Anomaly's LA office. Gia is everything you want in a leader and mentor, a warm, down-to-earth, no-bullshit boss who embraces what makes her different. It was really hard to pick pull quotes for this episode because so much of what she said was pure gold. Let's get to it. Enjoy. We're here at Anomaly LA. We first met at an Anomaly event that you guys had recently called Unreasonable Women, where you put together an amazing panel of women leaders and bosses who all had different experiences and looked different. And it was, it was such a warm, intimate space that you created and we connected there. So yeah. I'm so glad we're having the time to sit down and talk. Me too. I'm glad you came to the event. It's super fun. Um, yeah, we do. We like to host these intimate events because our office is a, is a house yeah. on Abbott Kenny. So it's a really cool space to do it. And yeah, I thought the women we were lucky enough to get at the panel were awesome. Yeah. They're all, you know, redefining what it means to be a boss in their own way. Such different um, experiences and they come from all walks of life that I thought that was a pretty awesome panel discussion that we have. So we feel pretty proud of that. So we'll do we'll do more throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm looking forward to them. Let's start the interview by going back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about how you got your start in the industry, how you found advertising, and how you really made your way in. Yeah. Well, I actually studied communications in college, and um, originally I was really into journalism, and I had one sort of comms and media class that then led to an interest in advertising and marketing as a whole. And so toward the end of my undergrad, I had um, picked up a couple of internships uh, over the summer when I was back home in LA. And funny enough, the first internship I had was at a, I was a, I was interning for media buyers and like literally I was going through their invoices for radio buys to look for discrepancies, <laughs> which is hilarious to me because I would not be a good media buyer. But right. I think um, for me, that was like my foot in the door and I knew I didn't want to be a media buyer or even good at media in general, mm-hmm. but it was a really great way to get your foot in the door at an agency and the agency culture and what they were doing as a whole. Um, and then after that, it was just getting other internships um, at different agencies in LA every time I was home, which then led to my first job in account management right out of college. So, uh, yeah, it was really the discovery of communications as a whole um, in terms of my studies. It's interesting that you started in one role and then you know immediately felt like okay, this isn't really right for me, but that it was you know a step in the door. I think. For people who don't know, it's it's sort of freaky when you know when yeah. you feel like you don't have a direction, but you know you want to be in this world. Yeah. 
if people have the luxury of knowing, I think obviously like go for, yeah. you know, why waste your time? But if you don't, I think any step is, is there's no wrong steps when you're starting out. Oh, there's no wrong step. I mean, this is a journey, right? And all the cliches about everything happens for a reason and journey yeah. is meant to be a certain way. Um, my niece is going through that right now. She's graduating Pepperdine and she really wants to get into this business. And, and so I tell her, ideally, you know, I do think if you're not really sure what you want to do in advertising and marketing, a lot of times starting an account management is is a really great place to start because um, you're exposed and have visibility and inter interaction with a lot of different departments. Okay. Um, but I also told her if it's to be the receptionist at an agency, you should do it because just getting in the building and meeting people and being exposed to the culture. And once you're in the door, you can raise your hand to help with all kinds of stuff. And right. so I think it's whether it's through an internship or just, you know, buying someone a cup of coffee to just you know, talk to them about what they do, what do they love and hate about what they're doing, how did they get into the business, I think just any way to get your foot in the door I think will give you a sense of do I really want to do this, do I not, right. um, do I like this type of agency, do I like that type of agency, I think uh, to me that's the best way to really get your feet wet, uh, if you will. Yeah, yeah and because you don't really, what you learn about a certain role um, or a certain discipline within advertising it's so different. Like it's not until you actually like talk to someone who's in that yeah. role, like within a certain agency, to really get a clear picture. Of like, what is it like to to play that role? Yeah. So I wanted to talk about common hurdles that people starting out in account management face. What yeah. are some things that you see? You know, as yeah. you have nurtured, I'm sure, um, younger account managers through the first you know few years. What do yeah. they What do they face? Yeah. I would say there's two things. One, um, if you're just getting into the business, like absorb everything you can. Like don't feel like you have to go in and be at a meeting and have all the answers because that's not really your job. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's really about listening and hearing and learning and absorbing all that you can. The other part of it too is I think we're in the business of um, you have to have a point of view right like the, the bad account person is just doing what the client wants as opposed to really learning about their business and their business challenges and then you know looking at it from the perspective of if that was my own money like my hard-earned money yeah. what would I want to do and to me that's the, the best kind of recommendations you can can give them um, because it comes from a really honest place and I think I tell people that all the time, like when you look at these business challenges from the perspective of what would I do if it was my own money, um, your recommendations are way different than, than, than being driven by, you know, we have to win creative awards or we have to think about revenue or whatever that is. So um, they sort of go hand in hand. In order to provide the right point of view, you really have to listen and absorb and learn as much as you can, mm -hmm. but also know that in the end of the day, your job is to have a point of view. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's why clients hire us, is to, to, to get our, our point of view that's sort of unbiased of, of the politics that are going on within the organization, fresh eyes on it, whatever that may be, having it from a consumer perspective. So uh, I guess that would be, to me, like absorb, listen, mm -hmm. take it all in, but also all of that is really about leading to having a point of view on it. Yeah, yeah. I hear that too when I talk with strategist just, just starting out, I mean, so much of your role there as well is, you know, how are you taking the information that you're gathering through research or from the client and stuff like that and 
pulling out what's important, but then also like yeah. putting like your perspective on it yeah. as part of your output. Um, that's really, like you said, what, what clients are hiring us for. And one of the things I think that comes with having a point of view is being able to express it mm-hmm. in the room, which is very scary I think, yeah. for a lot of people when they're starting out. And especially in account management where it's this role that inherently like comes with a little bit of leadership, right? You have to yeah. like corral everyone else yeah. on the team, on the agency side and um, sort of be the face towards the client as yeah. well. But I feel like a lot of uh, younger talent feel like they don't have the authority or the experience yet to really step into that leadership position. Yeah. So for people, who find themselves in that role? What would be your advice to start um, flexing that like leadership muscle? Yeah, that's a good question because I think leadership happens at every level, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and leadership means a lot of different things in different roles. But I think when I think about folks that are early on in their career, uh, leadership, you know, part of leadership is giving the people around you the confidence. To, to do something that they've never done. And so I think even at an, at a, at a, when you're young and early in your career, it, it is about exuding some confidence and giving them confidence and letting people know that it's gonna be okay. And that could be in a number of different ways. It doesn't have to be because you have the answer, but it's like, look, I'm here to help, so whatever you need, I got your back. Right. You know, so that's a form of leadership. Um, yeah, leadership isn't about authority or being bossy or being in charge necessarily, but it, it is about, um, I think it's about giving people the confidence to, to do something that, that we've never done, that clients have never done. One way that someone had described account management specifically to me before was that the account management role sort of like clears the runway for like the other teams to do yes. what they do best, yeah. um, to kind of get the best work out of them. I think I hear that in what you were saying, like, yeah. you know, be making, giving people the confidence that they can do their work and, and meet their deadlines yeah. and, and yeah. bring back something that the client is going to like because you're there for them in that yeah. role. Well, I mean, what's great about being on the agency side is that we have a building full of experts, mm-hmm. strategists, creatives, whoever it may be. And I think you're right, account management is about for every stage of the development of the work, it's. Um, you know, early on, it's like, what do we, what can I do to make sure that our strategist is set up for success, right? right? And then once we get to the strategy, you know, what, what, what do we have to do to make sure comm strategy is set up for success? And you know what I mean? So that I, I love your analogy about clearing the lanes because that is a lot of times what what the, the job of account management is. I think some people misunderstand account management as being sort of the lead singer in the band, and I would say it is. Definitely not the lead singer <laughs> of the band. So yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. I'm gonna use that. Okay, no, take it for it. sure. <laughs> yeah. So when we first met, you told me this great story about how Coca-Cola convinced you to go client side for mm-hmm. a bit and move to Atlanta, uproot from LA. I wanted to know how working client side compared to working agency side. Oh yeah, that's a. I get that question all the time. You know, it, it's so funny because. Uh, on the agency side, I've had I've been lucky enough to work with so many different clients mm-hmm. who have all like they're all like amazing, and you become um, really a part of their marketing team. It was never really client agency relationships; it was really an extension of their team. And yeah. so I used to always say like, oh my gosh, I would do it so differently if I was the client. Like 
I would do it this way. I don't know why they're doing it that way. And then you go to the client side with all this, like, I'm going to do it this way, you know, and you remember who the good clients were and the bad clients were. And then you realize the role is nothing like you thought it was going to be. You know, especially in a world today where it's like, um, everybody is getting stretched, yeah. you know, so for, for a lot of them, our marketing clients, like advertising is just a tiny, tiny part of their job. Even marketing is, even if their expertise or what they're supposed to be doing is in marketing. Um, they have the politics to navigate, you know, they have key stakeholders, you know. When I think about Coke, it's like you're coming up with the marketing plan, but you also have the bottlers and the retailers right. that you have to work with. So the complexities of that, um, is very different, but also what was really cool about being on the client side is that when you're on the agency side, you're focused on one particular part right. of marketing, which is great. That's why when I was on the client side, like I loved and leaned into and really valued my agency partnerships because I wanted them to be able to do their work and come with a recommendation without being biased right. by so all the noise that you know sometimes the client side might might be um, exposed to. Um, but when you're on the client side, the cool again, the cool part is that it's like you have way more visibility to the broader scope of marketing, mm-hmm. um, and and really comms and advertising is just a small part of your job, which right. is which is cool, but also really hard. Um, so I would say, yeah, it's it's definitely not what any agency person thinks it is. Yeah, and then I'd also say. Um, the client side job is very different uh, based on the organization. So you have like client side jobs on the tech side, mm-hmm. and then you have client side jobs that are on like CPG, and those are like massively different roles. Right. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't change anything for it. You know, um, I'm glad I've, I've um, had the experience on both sides, right. and having been on the client side and now back to the agency side, I. I know the battles that they're up against so I can help our team be set up for success that yes we have to sell in this thing but can we help them also do X because that is what's going to make it easier for that client to achieve what they want to do so um, so yeah I mean it's yeah, the, the thing I always tell people it is that the client-side job is nothing like you'd imagine it to be. <laughs> In good and bad ways. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good to know. I get a lot of questions from students around the ability for someone to move between the two worlds yeah. and how feasible that is yeah. or, you know, the pros and cons. Yeah, Honestly, it's definitely it's feasible. I think especially now, mm-hmm. you know, there are client, uh, a lot of client-side folks are, the fact that you have some agency experience is a plus. Right. Um, so yeah, you def. I mean, yeah, you definitely. I mean, I'm a perfect example of like I was on the agency side forever. Yeah. Um, and went to client side, and then I was like loving it. I didn't even want to come back to the agency side, and then I did. So I think you can totally be as fluid as you want. Yeah. Um, because I think at the end, it's about solving business challenges, whether you're on the client or agency side. I mean, if, if that's what you geek out on and that's what you love doing, then I think for sure you can you have the flexibility to both. Oh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will love hearing that. I, I the, the biggest worry that people come to me with is, oh, if I go client side, will that stifle any opportunities from the agency side because they'll think, oh, I only have, I can only, like, let's yeah. say a copywriter, I can only write in 
Yeah. Like this one client's tone. Maybe yeah. then keep up your portfolio, like doing other side That's projects right. and stuff like that so that you can prove. And I think you make a great point. Like your experience, obviously, as a client, now bringing that back to the agency world, I mean, that's so valuable just knowing firsthand what your clients are going through on the marketing side. Well, especially like going to Coke, they're pretty, they're an older, more established organization. Yeah. And that path led me to coming to Anomaly LA when we were just starting this office, which is very startup and very entrepreneurial. And yeah. so I would never have imagined that that was going to be my path. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think the lesson is you just kind of, whatever opportunity comes in front of you, just if, if you think it's the right opportunity, like dive in all the way yeah. and just crush that because <laughs> that will inevitably lead to other opportunities that honestly you probably didn't even think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Like I'm a walking testament of that, you know? So, um, yeah, I think people sometimes worry so much about what's next yeah. and it's like, you don't know what's next sometimes. Like you just got to like crush what's in front of you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think that's such great advice. I myself have never been able to, like people, when people ask me, they're like, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, I have no freaking idea. It's like hard to say. Yeah. Because if someone told me I was going to move to Atlanta yeah. to work for Coke, right. I mean, even when I decided to do it, you know, when I go around telling everyone the news, I mean, I got such mixed reactions because <laughs> they thought I was bananas. They were like, what are you going to be doing in the yeah. South? You're such an LA girl. Right. Um, so yeah, you just never know, you know, there was something about the opportunity that like, I, it, that drew me to, mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to try it. And yeah. really I thought, what do I have to lose if I hate it? I could just come back. Totally. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, you mentioned coming back to Anomaly LA when I was first starting out. Um, and Anomaly was recently recognized as an agency of the future on the cutting edge, yeah. looking ahead at <laughs> what, um, you know, where the industry is heading. So I would love to hear your perspective on yeah. where the industry is going for those just starting their careers and, you know, yeah. trying to anticipate, you know, what yeah. their career is going to look like and how, what they should keep in mind as they yeah. choose their first agency yeah. roles. Um, one of the things that I have always admired about Anomaly and, and a, a big part of the reason why um, I took this role was, um, you know, 14 years ago when, when Anomaly started, mm -hmm. you know, it was Jason, Deland, and Carl who they recognized that um, in the agency world, as complex as all of the business challenges have, uh, were becoming, every answer that an agency provided was an advertising solution, which, you know, it's crazy. Like, how can every problem be solved with that? Yeah. You know, and so um, they very smartly recognized that from the get-go, and so they really sought to start a new kind of agency where it was really about being a change agent. Mm -hmm. And that mission of being a change agent is still true today, 14 years later. I think you're just starting to see agencies now. I hear them speaking sort of the same language. Yeah. Uh, that Anomaly has been saying for the last 14 years, right. that it's like they're not about being an advertising agency, that it's really about business challenges and coming to business solutions. I think where it's different is Anomaly's been doing that for 14 years. So when you look at all of the case studies and things that this agency has accomplished globally, it is incredible. I mean, that's one of the things that I loved when I got to know Anomaly, was mm -hmm. just like, they, sure, they can do ads, and they do ads incredibly well, but there's also 
a whole um, set of case studies where it's just innovations that has been really incredible. We've done package design, we've done, you know, branded content. I mean, mm -hmm. so to me, it's like we, we are living up to, to the definition of what it means to be an anomaly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they've been doing that for 14 years, where I think a lot of other agencies who have built a business or a process and talent around solving advertising problems, it right. will be harder for them to come up with uh, solutions that aren't just advertising because it's a, it's a muscle that's already, it's muscle memory that's built within that organization. Right. So I say that in the context of uh, today, you know, for clients and their businesses, it's, it's getting more and more complex with technology, with the amount of noise that's just thrown in their way. And so, uh, you know, my advice to everyone is that it isn't just about advertising. Like advertising is a big part of their spend, to be honest, but the solutions aren't ever just about ads. And so my hope is that people go to, to, to companies, whether they're on the agency side or not, that really truly value that and understand that because that really is, um, that really is how you're gonna get to solving business problems. You know, it, it can't just be about ads. Like we talk about it all the time with Coke sometimes. Um, you know, we have a couple of Coke clients. It's like, sometimes the, the answer to the, the problem is about distribution. Right. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with ads. And so uh, I think you, I think you wanna go into organizations where you really genuinely believe that the leaders uh, are, are vested in coming up with what is the business challenge, not mm -hmm. with what ad campaign do we wanna do? What advertising awards do we wanna win? It's not about that. Right. And so that would be my advice. Like you gotta go in geeking out about like, what business problem are we trying to solve? Yeah. I always feel like the way that advertising, quote-unquote advertising, or yeah. whatever we call this thing that we're in now, um, the way that it's taught in schools now just adds to that yeah. narrative of, like, are you going to go into the industry and create these, like, 360 global ad campaigns, yeah. you know, that you see in the Super Bowl, yeah. like, how exciting. And, of course, there's always a spend that's going to go towards that. But... Um, yeah, and even, even in my own experience, like at my last agency, a lot of the what you were doing for clients like felt so much more like business consulting, yeah. which makes sense why like Deloitte and like all the big shops well, exactly. are like getting into the game. That's right. That's why. That's exactly right. Like the Deloittes of the world world are getting into it. You know, sort of stealing share, if you will. But then you also have this sort of huge population of people who are just making content. Yeah. I mean, everyone's getting in that game. Media agencies are trying yeah. to come up. You know what I mean? So it, to me, it's just a reflection of the fact that it is pretty complex, and it's only going to continue to get more complex, right. especially think about social. It's like the platforms are constantly changing, how people consume, quote, unquote, media. Yeah. You know, media isn't just paid media. Media could be a T-shirt. It could be your packaging. It could mm -hmm. be, you know what I mean? And so how people consume and experience your brand is constantly evolving and mm -hmm. so you gotta like strip yourself away from traditional media. Yeah. Sure, traditional media also is a, it could be the right answer, you right. know, but it isn't just about that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I hope our industry starts to train younger folks in our industry to do that it's not just about advertising. That's really why I came to Anomaly. Like, because they've been doing that for 14 years, it was like such a refreshing mm -hmm. point of view. And all, and I'll tell you at Coke, like I, 
was fortunate enough to meet a bunch of agencies, but Anomaly is really the only agency I think that has done it and have like actual case studies to say, here's what we did for Virgin. We had mm -hmm. zero media dollars, so they embrace this this philosophy around everything is media. So they looked at every single thing on the plane, whether it was the soap, the the the, the lighting, like you know what I mean. All of that is media. You know, we they have tons of case studies around innovations. We had they had nothing to do with advertising. So that's somewhere I got super excited because it was like my whole career I've been doing ads. It's like, do I want to do another ad campaign to, to what end? And so, <laughs> and it's great, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. It's been a fantastic journey, but you get to a certain point in your career and you're like, what else is, how many more yeah. ad campaigns can I come up with? Right. You know? Yeah. In a way, it's sort of freeing, or I don't know if freeing is the right word, but if we can let go of that idea of like what advertising is and you t when you talk about like oh it you know it's a distribution solution or it's a packaging thing like that gets really exciting because then like you as someone who works in quote unquote advertising like gets to affect so much more than just like maybe the communication side of yeah. um, that brand and I don't know just like I guess our sphere of influence has the potential yes. of, of widening and really impacting or bringing about change. You know? I think it's massively liberating because then how you solve, because advertising can be very expensive. Yes. You know what I mean? And so um, how you solve for business challenges may not require the $50 million media budget. I mean, who even has those budgets anymore? Right. And so I think it's way more interesting because then you're because then as the marketer you're forced to be like okay like, like let's really dissect the consumer journey mm -hmm. like be like what is their process to getting there and like what are the barriers there and what are the right moments that we have to hit them up and then you can be really smart about how you're engaging with with your consumer along that journey as opposed to just waiting for farther down where it's like and that's where the ads appear you know? so <laughs> right. it, just, it feels so limiting when I think about it now but yeah I, I think freeing is the right Okay. It's just, it's like, then your solutions become endless. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, you are a female CEO and a woman of color, a combination which is still, unfortunately, very, very, very rare. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> what learnings from your own path, and I know we had talked a little bit before this started, yeah. what learnings uh, from your own path can you share for those who have aspirations to reach sure. the C-suite or it doesn't yeah. have to be the C-suite but you know a certain level of yeah um, you know it's funny people ask me this all the time I was never I never like said oh I want to be the CEO of an agency yeah. one day that wasn't the goal mm -hmm. um, and now that I'm in that role you know it's funny like I think we were talking about it the other day I can't tell you how many new business meetings I go into where the it's me and usually my business partner Isaiah who's also a partner here in the CSO. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times when we first walk into new business meetings, nine out of ten times, uh, they'll automatically assume Isaiah is the CEO yeah. because he's male. Yeah. Um, and, and it's become sort of a funny joke between us where he's like, no, 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 she's in charge. You know yeah. what I mean? And so. Um, and in the beginning, I remember just being like, how many more, like, what is going on here? Like, it was so frustrating, but you get to a point where you actually, I realize it's like, that that's how they're going to remember us, you know what I mean? When we go in there and we're like, oh no, actually, I'm the CEO. Mm -hmm. um, Isaiah reminds me, like, he's the big dude that walks in, I'm this tiny, you know, <laughs> five, three, um, 
female that walks in and then when you start talking about their business and you have this presence, it's incredibly memorable. And to me, that's just a reminder that it's like, what makes us different is also your power. You know what I mean? It is what's going to, you can only be you. And so um, I, think, I think the advice is really don't, don't be afraid of what you think is different. You know what I mean? Like that, it, it, you, your differences is really, it could be your strength, you know? The other thing too is I think growing up, I didn't have a ton of, um, I didn't see a lot of female CEOs where I said, oh, that looks like me. 20 years from now yeah. or 10 years from now or whatever that may be um, and in my mind it's like that's okay uh, but then you just have to redefine what it means you mm -hmm. know what I mean and I think that's why the panel discussion that we had a few weeks ago was really really interesting and I think that's why a lot of folks who came really gravitated toward all their stories because right. They were all so different. Like you remember Jenny Kwan, she was a, a classically trained musician who then became a lawyer, who then became a jewelry designer. Um, and the funny thing about Jenny is she's got this massively successful business and she still to this day doesn't see herself as an entrepreneur. You know, she sees herself as someone who just likes to make pretty things. I mean, those are her words. And I'm yeah. like, it blows my mind because she's such an entrepreneur, you know? And then you have, uh, you have people like Faz, you know, who she she trained Olympic ice skaters and fell into advertising, and she too, it's like she's like I don't look like the typical CSO or agency leader, and and I think she's realized like that's okay because mm -hmm. what we're both realizing too is that uh, that's the question that a lot of folks ask me. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, you don't look like the typical CEO, or how did you become a CEO, or what was your journey? Because I think. Um, for Thaza and I both we've experienced where it's like I think for the first time for some of the younger women of color who um, have maybe had similar upbringings or, um, are finally like oh if, if she can do it I can do it it's like yeah. re and then and I think that's why again that was the whole point of the panel was that it's, right. it's redefining what it means to be a boss today mm -hmm. um, and so uh, for me the lesson is you know don't be afraid of what makes you different, mm -hmm. you know, own it, um, because you can only be you, like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, you yeah. know, most people I know who are massively successful and happy at what they do, it's because they are incredibly unapologetic about being who they are, what they're good at, what they suck at, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, so, yeah, for me, the, the, the constant theme is just own your differences. I'm sure for you to being a CEO, I mean, it's so much less about the title itself because yeah. obviously like you weren't like aiming to like, you weren't sitting there being like, someday I'm going to be yeah. a CEO. Well, also even today, it's like, I'm not walking around being like, I'm the CEO, you yeah. know, it's like, there's a job to be done here. Yeah. There's, there's a role. Exactly. And so it's like what you do in your role is what gets you excited and like. Absolutely. And the people and, you know, and, and also the other thing is the, the job of a CEO is so different. Mm -hmm in each organization right. and in different industries. Like the title CEO is so broad, but the CEO, I mean, even of like Anomaly LA is very different than the CEO of Anomaly New York because the agencies right. are so different, right? And then you think about the CEO of other organizations, it's like the CEO of Coca-Cola, you know what I mean? Like insane, <laughs> you know? So um, they're different jobs, right. but I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't, I don't really think it's it's not like people were walking around being like we're the CEO. Sure. You know, it's it's and people always ask about that. Yeah. But 
it's it's a job. It's like there's a role. Everyone's got a role in right. the organization, and then when everyone's you know doing it well, it's when we're all right, mm -hmm. like rocking on all cylinders. And so, yeah, it's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't really think of it as the CEO job. Yeah. It's like I don't get too hung up on that title. But it's <laughs> it really is about like what's the role? Yeah, for Anomaly LA. Yeah, the what you said about you know if obviously like you and Thaz, people yeah. like you guys you are important in the industry because maybe younger talent <laughs> i know you probably don't think about it we just talked about how it doesn't matter that you have the senior title yeah. but you know representation obviously means yes, something in this course. industry especially in advertising yeah. i think where we set so much of culture and stuff for like the broader yes. world um but i love what you said about you know if you don't see someone who looks like you who's yeah. in a role that maybe you would like to have someday that you know you can make it your own way you know you can make yeah. it your own role and, and however you are at least unapologetically you can be that role like you don't necessarily have to see yeah maybe a you model should, you just redefine it yeah and, I mean I'd also say that like even if like for me growing up I didn't see there weren't there are a there were there weren't, there weren't a lot of female CEOs sure you know, when I was at Shiat in LA, funny enough, there were a lot of women in, in leadership positions, which was pretty rare for that time. Um, they weren't like women of color, but they, they were still my mentors. Like you still have a lot to learn from people who have experienced this industry and life, frankly, right. you know, 10, 20 years, your senior. And so I'd say finding the right mentors is pretty important because mm -hmm. it just, it just gives you some perspective. Um, but my point is, if they don't look like you, that's okay. Yeah. You know, you still have a lot to learn from all of these folks, and maybe that just means you're going to be the one who's going to redefine it, and then maybe you can offer that up to sort of the the, the next generation of people in our industry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can only hope the the cycle continues. Yeah. So I do think we're at a good time, though. It's like an interesting time because you do see change. You yeah. know, sure, we're all impatient, and we wish. You know, some people would say, like, I'm so bored of this conversation because it's like we're still here. But I, I, I do see change. I, you know, not enough, but change, change is happening. I mean, you look at sort of what's happening culturally right now. Like, so that's what gets me excited. And then also when, you know, especially because we're a newer office, like we're constantly looking for talent. And I will tell you, like, there's such diversity that that's what gets me super excited. Because mm -hmm. it's like you want an organization where there's true diversity and it's not just about race and gender, but like people from all different walks of life. Right. Like I see more of that, I think, in our industry than I did when I was just starting. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. especially cool. because like that, what you're talking about, like bringing on, whether it's the next generation or just in general, like bringing on more diverse talent and diverse across a number of different uh, axes, I guess, yeah. um, that it takes work. It's like hard. Oh, and it's, it's so hard. Time and money for the agency, yeah. but that, you know, those resources are starting to be, you know, expended towards that thing because more and more we're realizing that it is good for business and it is good for culture and massively the world in general yeah you have to dig your heels like the our jenny who um leads all talent recruitment for the la office i mean we we dig our heels on it yeah. and you have to really believe in it because it is easy to just find yeah mm -hmm. totally. it's, it's it's really easy but uh you gotta you gotta dig your heels you gotta be so committed to, to it it's annoyingly hard <laughs> but it's getting better <laughs> 
All right, so let's wrap up with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. Yeah, the look, all the best advice, I'm sure. I don't want to sound like a cliche, but it is, it's the advice that has been, that's proven to be true for me, which is to listen to your gut. And if you don't hear your gut, then you got to practice <laughs> trying to figure out uh, when your gut is speaking to you to be like, hello, don't yeah. do that, or hello, you should do this. Um, for me, there are, I can give you countless examples of where intellectually I'm like, I shouldn't do that. One of them is about moving to Atlanta. And <laughs> like, it just didn't yeah. make sense intellectually for yeah. me, but in my gut, in my heart, I, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. knew I had to do it and I wanted to do it. And it, and, and it, it proved to be a great experience for me. Um, so for me, it's like, listen to your gut, like practice listening to your gut. Cause, um, I don't know, for me it worked. Mm -hmm. Well, I love what you're saying about like if you don't hear your gut, because it is, it's easy to say, like, oh, listen to your gut, like go yeah. with your instinct, but like if someone's like, well, I don't, I don't hear know my gut, it's like, it you gotta practice like trying to find the gut. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I think being in tune with like not only your emotions, but kind of like digging under, like yeah. why, like the points in your life, like whether it's in, you're in college and you're preparing yeah. to enter the real world, like those times where you're like deliriously happy, but yeah. also when you're like super frustrated yeah. or you just feel super down, like yeah. what is, what is, are those emotions trying to tell you? It's yeah. not just the emotions, it's not just yeah. like, oh man, I feel like shit today. Yeah. But and like, I think for me, the gut is sometimes, I guess for me, like the gut reaction is like, it's, it's someone raising a flag being like, something's about to go down that does not align really with your values. Mm -hmm. So why don't you reconsider it? Mm -hmm. So my gut isn't like, oh, that's the answer. It's usually like, hey, can you take a moment to just like take a yeah. step back and reevaluate what it is that you're doing? Because really a gut reaction is to me just a, a, a reminder that like, hey, don't forget your values, <laughs> you know, like yeah. your integrity, <laughs> these little things. So it's, it's for me, it's just about taking a moment to be like, okay, my gut is telling me something. I just got to like take a moment to reevaluate and right. figure out why I'm feeling this way. I love that. It's not yeah. going to give you the answer per no, se. Definitely. <laughs> but it definitely is like, hello, you should, let's revisit this. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to start using that for my <laughs> own life too. <laughs> Gia, thank you so much for taking the time. This was yeah. wonderful. I'm Thanks. So glad we got to do it. Me too. This is fun. Where can people keep up with you and Anomaly? Oh, uh, I would say check us out on our website, Anomaly.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And I, you know, jokingly say where you can really find me is usually somewhere on Abbot Kinney in Venice, which is where our <laughs> office is located, or I'm running through some airport, um, pathetically. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Well, I'll include the links to the Anomaly site and your LinkedIn on the episode page so people can find you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming. This was fun. Thank you so much to Gia. She's someone I personally look up to, so having her on the podcast was really, really special. Did you know that We Are Next is much bigger than the podcast? Check out our newest resources for students and junior talent, We Are Next Jobs and the We Are Next Index on our website at we-r-next.com. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.